Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. So in looking at the biblical picture of this final manifestation of spiritual deception, it seems that in its initial stage, specific religions will be swallowed up into one great spirituality that will manifest itself in the worship of nature and man collectively with only vague and general references to God. So that's how it will begin. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Revelation. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Revelation chapters 17 verses 1 through 6 and 18 in a message titled, Babylon is Fallen. Now here's Pastor Brian. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and talked with me, saying to me, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. And on her forehead was written a name of mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. As I previously mentioned, and as many of you already know, the book of Revelation teaches us that the world is moving toward a one world government, a one world economy, and a one world religious system, all under the rule of the one that we commonly call the Antichrist. Here in chapter 17 and 18, we have the description of the judgment of that kingdom that will be established in the future. And in these two chapters, we see that the judgment will fall upon every aspect of that future kingdom, the religious, the political, and uh, the economic. And uh, that will all be centered in a particular location, or maybe a, a couple of locations, but the name of the future kingdom is Babylon, according to the chapters before us. So chapter 17 that we'll focus on today uh, seems to deal with the judgment of the spiritual aspect of this coming empire. Well, chapter 18 deals with the judgment of the political, the economic, and the commercial aspects of it. So here today we're focusing on the judgment of the spiritual aspect of it. And so here in the verses that we read, we see that there is a, a woman. And uh, the woman is 
sitting upon a beast. And so we want to just break down what these images are referring to. In verse 7, the angel said to John, Why do you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast which carries her, which has the seven heads and the ten horns. So we start with the beast, making sure we understand what's being talked about here. The difficulty is there's this exact same description, this beast that's uh, scarlet colored, that has seven heads, ten horns, and so forth. This exact same description is given in numerous places, but it doesn't always mean exactly the same thing. And and here's what we have. We have on one occasion, it's a description of, of Satan himself, a great fiery red dragon, according to Revelation chapter 12. And then it goes on to tell us that it's that serpent of old, the devil who is Satan. So, but, it, but it's the same picture. Then in the next chapter, chapter 13, we have the exact same description, but it's not referring to the devil. It's referring to the beast, the first beast, the one that we commonly call the Antichrist. But here in chapter 17, again, it's the same description, but it's not referring either to, directly anyway, to Satan or to the Antichrist. In this context, it is referring to the actual kingdom or the empire that is to come. So you have to kind of look at the context of where it appears to, to be able to understand, you know, just exactly what is being referred to. Now, why is it that Satan, the Antichrist, and the kingdom are all described in the same way? Because they're connected. They're, there's, there's not, you can't have one without the other, in a sense. And so we're talking about the same thing, but we're talking in this particular case about the empire rather than the individuals involved. And we know that to be the case because in verse 12, we are told that the 10 horns on the beast represent 10 kings. Notice verse 12. The 10 horns which you saw are 10 kings who have received no kingdom as yet, but they receive authority for one hour as kings with the beast. So there it makes it clear that we're talking about the future empire that's coming. And notice that it's the beast that is supporting the woman. So the woman is riding the beast. And that basically is telling us that if the empire is going to uh, support the, the woman and all the activity of the woman. Now that brings us to the woman. Who is the woman that's being described here? We're told several things about the woman. One, that the woman sits on many waters. And according to verse 15, that means, as he says here, the waters which you saw where the harlot sits are people, multitudes, nations, and tongues. So we see that the woman here is exerting worldwide influence. So worldwide influence, that's what's being spoken of. Secondly, we see that the woman is clothed luxuriously, purple, scarlet, gold, precious stones, pearls. What is this talking about? It's talking about the immense wealth of the woman. So worldwide influence, immense wealth, and then a golden cup full of abominations and filthiness. This is referring to the fact that this woman is the dispenser of 
uh, false religion in the world. You see, the reference here to abominations. Abominations in the Old Testament, although there are several things that are referred to by God as abominations, uh, one of them is idolatry or idols. Idols are often referred to as abominations. We, we read and we, we talk about the abomination of desolation. The abomination is the idol that's set up in the future temple. So when we see the woman with the golden cup, we're talking about the woman being the dispenser of false religion. And now we're told, as we look here in verse 5, the name of the woman, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. Babylon the Great. It's very interesting. All throughout the Bible, Babylon is synonymous with the forces of the world that are opposing God. And it all began back in the early days of human history, shortly after the flood in Noah's time, where the world was repopulated. Genesis chapter 10 tells us about the origination of the kingdom of Babel. And the founder of Babel or Babylon was a man named Nimrod. And it's interesting. It says in Genesis 10 that Nimrod was a mighty hunter before the Lord, that he gained uh, reputation and influence as a mighty hunter before the Lord. Now, that's the, the English translation in many of our English versions, but Hebrew scholars say a better understanding is not that he was a mighty hunter before the Lord, but that he was actually a mighty rebel against the Lord. His kingdom was Babel or Babylon. We have the story in Genesis chapter 11 of the Tower of Babel. And you remember that the Tower of Babel was an effort on the part of people at that time led by Nimrod to erect a structure that would put them on equal standing or above God. That was the whole point. And the, the name Babel originally meant the gate of heaven or the gate of God. They were aspiring to do exactly what we read that Lucifer did. In Isaiah 14, Lucifer said, I will ascend to the heights. I will be like the Most High. And for that uh, arrogant attempt, he was thrown out of heaven. That's the same thing that was happening in Babel. Man was collectively saying, we don't need God to rule over us. We're going to be like God ourselves. And so God brought a judgment. He dispersed people by confusing the languages. So Babel came to mean confusion. And in this sense, it's definitely talking about the confusion that comes through false religion. And so the woman's name is Babylon the Great. And it says concerning this woman, that she is drunk with the blood and the, uh, of the saints and the martyrs of Jesus. So now, th remember, this is all future. And as we've been studying through Revelation, you perhaps remember that we've already looked at those passages that talk about the great slaughter of believers that's going to take place during this tribulation period. We've seen that there's going to be a great multitude that comes out of the tribulation period that are killed for their faith in Christ. Well, here 
what we're seeing is that it's this, this woman that's being described here. This is the one responsible for the death of all of those saints, drunk with the blood of the saints and the martyrs of Jesus. So this false religious system will have an insatiable appetite for the blood of the saints. Anyone who resists this, anyone who opposes it, anyone who has faith in Jesus Christ during that time will be hunted down and executed at the encouragement of this spiritual power, exercising, of course, its influence over the state. No doubt the state will be the one doing the executing, but the woman, the religious system, will be the inspiration behind it. Now, the interesting thing about this here, remember, what we're reading about here is the destruction of this system. And so we read an interesting thing here. It says that the 10 kings will hate the harlot and they will destroy the harlot. So here's the, the picture for the future. So there's this one world government. There's this religious component to it. And of course, because religion is a worldwide phenomena, the Antichrist is going to use this religious system to bring the world under his sway. But at a certain point, and I think it'll be the midpoint, uh, at the three and a half year mark of the seven year period, when this woman here is no longer useful or no longer necessary, the Antichrist will turn against the woman and allow the kings that hate the harlot to destroy the harlot. And we read it here in the verses as we look. Verse 16, it says, and the 10 horns which you saw on the beast, we know that those are 10 kings, these will hate the harlot, make her desolate and naked, eat her flesh and burn her with fire for God has put it into their hearts to fulfill his purpose. So what we're really talking about here is the judgment that's gonna come ultimately in this false religion. So the Antichrist himself will, after he's used religion for his purpose, he will discard it, allow the 10 kings to destroy it. And then he will set himself up through the, the activity of the false prophet, as we've seen, he will set himself up as the one to be worshiped. So that's what we're talking about here. Now, let me say this. Revelation 17 is the most difficult chapter in the book of Revelation, if not the most difficult chapter in the entire Bible to understand. It is very, very difficult to understand this chapter. So here, here's what we're looking at. We're looking at, so that so the, the political power, the 10 kings, hates the religious component. And no doubt the religious component has, notice it says that the religious component, it says that the kings of the earth have committed fornication. So they've been in cahoots together with one another. And this has happened historically. There have been times historically, of course, where the church and the state have, have blended together and the church has sought to wield power and authority over kings and rulers. This, this was happening in a major way in Europe prior to the Reformation. When the Reformation came, which was a spiritual awakening, it also freed up many of the European kings to throw off the yoke of, of Rome because this, basically the, the Pope ruled those kingdoms indirectly because those kings were submitted to him. 
they understood he had spiritual authority. He could let them in heaven or keep them out of heaven, they thought. Uh, but when the Reformation took place, they, they broke away and there was a, a hostility. So, so that's happened before. It isn't unusual that the religious authorities and the state should join together in various efforts to promote the agenda of the state. That happened in the Soviet Union. And many people know that uh, most of the Orthodox Church was filled with KGB uh, agents during the time of the Soviet Union. And it's happened a number of different times. But there, there comes a point where the political powers, the Ten Kings, they're, they're finished. They're done with the influence of this. And the Antichrist then allows them to destroy so in looking at the biblical picture of this final manifestation of spiritual deception, it seems that in its initial stage, specific religions will be swallowed up into one great spirituality that will manifest itself in the worship of nature and man collectively with only vague and general references to God. So that's how it will begin, an amalgamation of religions and a doing away with any kind of distinct doctrines and a huge emphasis on the deity of man and, and of nature as well. And this will all be based in the center of this new world empire, but it will culminate, it will all lead eventually into the open and blatant worship of Satan. And so this one world religion, when it is destroyed by the political powers represented by the kings, will give way to then the worship of the beast. So the first three and a half years, I believe, this is when the woman is exerting all of her influence. The woman is destroyed in the middle, it seems. And then that brings about the opportunity for the beast himself to come to, to full power and worship which of course is the worship of Satan. Now, as I've pointed out before, all of these things will come together with the arrival of the Antichrist. So everything we're talking about right now is future. It's all future. And the good news is that when these things happen, the church will have already been removed from the earth. But as these things are inevitable in the future. If we are getting near to the, the fulfillment of these events, like we think we are, then we would expect things to be moving in that direction even prior to the, the full realization of these things coming to pass. So the question is, as we look around the world today, do we see anything that would that would support the idea that, yes, we are moving toward the very things that are described here. The description here is the, the fruition of it all, but is there anything happening in our world today that says that we're, we're on the path to that? And I think clearly there are many things that are happening that would indicate that that's where things are headed. And so I want to give you some examples of things that are going on, efforts that are transpiring right now, this very minute, to form, ultimately, a one-world religion. And I want to share with you some different sources and different uh, places where we see this being 
promoted. And I want to start with what's called the UN Earth Charter, or formerly the UN Earth Charter. In its beginning, that's what it was called. It's no longer necessary to be attached to the UN. It stands on its own. And it's a very interesting document. You can find it on the internet. You can read their literature directly yourself if you'd like. I'm going to quote directly from them. But the agenda of the Earth Charter is basically the agenda of what we're reading about here. It's the same agenda as you will see. But it begins with this. It begins with an explanation of what the agenda is. The Earth Charter is an ethical framework, it says, for building a just, sustainable, and peaceful global society in the 21st century. It seeks to inspire in all people a new sense of global interdependence and shared responsibility for the well-being of the whole human family, the greater community of life, and future generations. It is a vision of hope and a call to action. Now remember, we're talking about a one-world government, a one-world economy, a one-world commercial system, a one-world religious system. That's exactly what the, uh, the UN Charter is promoting. But here, the emphasis centers around the, the earth itself. So it's, uh, you know, that, that's, that's part of the whole thing that the earth and man and all of the, all, all of the rest of creation were all one. And in order, you know, in order to have a peaceful existence, we've all got to come together. There's got to be a one world system is, is what it's calling for. The original players in this are, are interesting. Stephen Rockefeller is uh, a chairman of the Earth Charter, along with Mikhail Gorbachev and Maurice Strong. Maurice Strong is well known around the world as a like a new age leader. We all know, I think, who Mikhail Gorbachev is, the former president of what was then the Soviet Union, and, and the one responsible really for the collapse of the Soviet Union in many ways. They are the ones who were part of the drafting committee for the Earth Charter. And they said this, the way to go about building peace on Earth, so that's their objective, is through the inclusive, integrated, and spiritual approach of the Earth Charter. Gorbachev described the Charter as an effort to incorporate the wisdom of the world's religions. He said... My hope is that this charter will be a kind of Ten Commandments, a Sermon on the Mount that provides a guide for human behavior toward the environment in the next century and beyond. So they see this document as a replacement of the Ten Commandments and the Sermon on the Mount. But notice the emphasis on environment. And what we're going to see as we go through here is that it's all connected. You might wonder now, you know, what is all the talk about global warming and how come you know, there's so much controversy about it and how come some people are so dogmatic about it. It's all part of the same thing. It's not just about the environment, but it's about all kinds of other things. It's a worldview. And the charter itself gives various points of explanation as to what its purposes are. Now, I'm just going to read to you five. There are many more, but I just selected these five because I think they best describe what's at the heart of it. But here they are. Number one, recognize that all beings are interdependent and every form of life has value regardless of its worth to human beings. Now, one of the things that comes through in this document and also just in the thought of the left these days is what's known as speciesism. 
speciesism is the idea that that all species are equal. For the month of July, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled The God I Won't Believe In, Facing Nine Common Barriers to Embracing Christianity by Nick Cady. Have you ever prayed to God only to feel like he didn't answer your prayers? Or have you ever wondered, if God can help me, then why doesn't he help me? Many have faced this exact barrier at one point in their life, both Christians and non-Christians alike. Well, in his book, The God I Won't Believe In, Nick Cady addresses this very topic that has hindered so many during different stages of life and that are hindering many today. If you want to understand what the Bible reveals about this topic or other barriers to embracing Christianity, you need to get this book. The book, The God That I Won't Believe In, Facing Nine Common Barriers to Embracing Christianity by Nick Cady is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Revelation. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.